We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Notre Dame fans, welcome to a special edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. My name is Brian Driscoll. I'm the publisher at irishbreakdown.com, and I'm joined today by the director of recruiting at SI All-American, John Garcia, and we are going to talk about Notre Dame's 2021 recruiting class. John, thank you for uh, for being on with us today here on a Saturday, day before the Super Bowl. Absolutely. Always a pleasure, Brian. Yeah, I'm always willing to jump on here and talk, especially when we can really have some time to to truly dig in uh, on some of these kids and what what the Irish got coming in. It's an important class, obviously. Now, you guys had Notre Dame ranked eighth, the eighth ranked high, the eighth ranked recruiting class in the country. It was the highest of all the services, and this was Notre Dame's first consensus top ten recruiting class since 2013. That class had a couple guys you might recognize, John, a kid named Jalen Smith, uh, this receiver kid from Philly named Will Fuller. Uh, had an offensive lineman named Mike McGlinchey. You might have heard a couple of those guys. Yeah. Uh, pretty good class. This class, obviously, um, a little different class, but you guys thought very highly of it. Now, I want to, before we begin, you know, obviously not a lot of people are, not as many people are as for me with I was, I, SI All-American, which is our, our new venture with Sports Illustrated, which is our recruiting service. Uh, you guys do things a little bit differently, John. You, like me, have a football background. You played college football. Um, you've been an analyst and an evaluator of talent for a long time there. When you look at the other services, their recruiting classes are basically generated by a point system that is, that is divvied up. You guys look at it more from a sort of coaching GM type of standpoint where it's more about 
the bigger picture. So just before we kind of put into context your ranking of Notre Dame and the players, just to explain to the people how you guys go about ranking players and ranking classes that makes uh, that makes you guys, in my opinion, stand out. Well, it's it's all one and the same, and I think that's the biggest difference um, with us. So we have our SI ninety nine rankings. Obviously, the top ninety nine players in the country, Notre Dame, you know, grabbed five of them in this cycle. Um, so we we rank the classes the same way. Um, it's it's based on a college projection, which is I think a, a big difference between us and and some of the others. Uh, and really, it's it's from like you said, it's from a a football standpoint, a coaching standpoint. Um, look, do we look at measurables? Yes. Uh, how how much do we look at them? Maybe not as much as 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 you'd find elsewhere. And then when it comes to the class rankings, not only is it an, an accumulation of of those kids we've already evaluated and ranked, but it's it's premium position guys, right? Left tackle, corner, quarterback, um, defensive line, pass rusher, and then how the team's filling needs. Because if you've got great quarterback play every year, if you're Clemson, let's say, and you signed three quarterbacks this year. We're not going to reward that the same way we would reward a program like Notre Dame, who is maybe going to have some transition at the position and signs one of the premier quarterbacks in the class. We're going to give Notre Dame that benefit of the doubt. So our player rankings are subjective and our class rankings are subjective because that's that's the way that we, we can kind of make it organic um, on our own end. So all of it really does go hand in hand. Uh, how well are teams addressing their needs? Uh, are they still bringing in these premium position guys? All of those factors are rolled into into our final rankings. And, and Notre Dame was was a, kind of a no brainer top ten program for us for a while. Even I think on the debut rankings, and then as we updated every month, Notre Dame was was right there, you know, between five and ten. And I think Notre, eighth was about the lowest you guys had Notre Dame. And it just because a, a guy here, a guy there signed on the last signing day that just pe- moved people up. But it was, right. which means it was the, the gap between Notre Dame and program seven and six is not enormous. You know, it came down to, you know, to one guy here or there. And, uh, you know, when you look at this class, John, you talked about meeting needs. I think the first thing that stands out to me about this Notre Dame class is balance. There's really not a position you look at and say, boy, they came up short. They didn't get enough numbers or they didn't get a guy that could be a starter down the road. The balance of this class to me really stands out. I agree. I mean, for us, you know, I always kind of start it with with quarterback and then the trenches. Like that's where my view, excuse me, of a class always sort of shifts from from point A to, okay, like where's the depth here? And obviously we know Notre Dame every year is going to sign basically a starting offensive line. Um, <laughs> and, and and that's never a bad thing. Like that's, that's not mm-hmm. something, if you stack those back to back, we're never going to hold that against you as a program, because it's not like quarterback where there's, where there's only one spot on the field, obviously, you know, uh, every great program has young offensive linemen, either starting or, or contributing in, in a major way. So that's again, why the subjective part of it, kind of makes sense for us. Um, and in the trenches, you, you do see a lot of that balance that you're talking about. They can literally trot out an offensive line um, from the guys that that they brought in. Obviously, Blake Fisher's the, the one we're highest on. He's, he's the SI 99 member of the group. But when we were doing positional rankings, top 10 guards, top 10 tackles, et cetera, you know, Rocco Spindler was was in that conversation. Other guys were, were in that conversation. So uh, the offensive line group is obviously incredibly strong. And then on defensive line, you know, we've got Gabe Rubio higher than anybody 
Forty um, ninth. We, we yeah. love the kid. I mean, he's actually the highest ranked, uh, you know, Notre Dame signee, which will be interesting to look at uh, in hindsight. But uh, we love what Gabe does. Uh, obviously, like everybody for the most part, had a condensed senior season, but still really dominant um, in, in the state of Missouri, which is what you would expect uh, from a prospect like this. Uh, can really play inside or out. Really interested to see how his frame develops over the next few years. Is he going to be you know, a big 300-pounder who just looks a lot lighter because of, of his body composition, things like that. So I love what Notre Dame did in the trenches. Obviously, a quarterback, you know, Tyler Buckner is a guy I'm sure we're going to talk a lot about. Uh, and he's he's going to be the most polarizing in this class. But I think his ceiling, if we're just talking about the positives, we're just talking about where he could be is right there among the best quarterbacks in this class. His top traits are as good as any quarterback's top traits in a great quarterback class like like we just saw with this 2021 cycle the production is there the athleticism is there the arm is big the mechanics and all that will, will be figured out i would imagine before he, he sets foot um you know in notre dame stadium so uh, i'm really high on tyler buckner despite you know no senior season on the mm -hmm. field and and whatever we saw at the elite 11. john how challenging was that for you guys uh to, to i mean this was a unique year i mean I, i'm going through i'm doing a, a a breakdown we're talking about Notre Dame's class and I'm like boy I would have loved to have seen Ryan Barnes as a senior I would have loved to have seen you know Tyler Buckner as a senior I would have loved to see this other guy as a senior there were so many kids that and you think about Prince Colley for example who Notre Dame signed you guys had him ranked as the 50th best player in the entire country he was a consensus three-star recruit SIL American doesn't do star rankings this is for con he was not in your SI the first SI 99 Nope. Uh, which came out before the fall. He he was a guy that was considered a consensus three-star recruit, didn't have a big offer list. Notre Dame identified him. He goes out as a linebacker, rushes for 1,900 yards, 31 touchdowns, and becomes one of the best players in the country. You guys jump him up to 50th. How many other players might have had that chance to do that or might have kind of showed some chinks in the armor as seniors? How challenging was it for you guys to put together this? It's kind of like, hey, we're going to do rankings for the first time. Oh, Here's a curveball. <laughs> yeah. Half of the kids aren't going to play. How challenging yeah. was that for you guys to be able to put rankings together with, you know, a big chunk of the kids not getting a chance to play as seniors? Yeah, some great states didn't play. Uh, you know, California, North Carolina, Virginia, uh, some some states where we really spend a lot of time digging into top prospects. Uh, so so that was definitely challenging. We we wanted to try to find the balance of rewarding the kids who who did it as a senior, who made that jump like a Prince Colley. Quarterback Jackson Dart out of Utah was another one who had a huge jump. Uh, Jake Garcia was a Californian who moved to Georgia so he could play this fall, uh, and he showed us a lot uh, in, in leading Grayson High to a state championship. So uh, those guys really sort of took advantage of, of being able to play, and one of them you know, forced the ability – to be able to play, but we really didn't want to penalize those who who didn't have the means to right. do what Garcia did, moving across America and and picking up, you know, on another program's team like like that. So we didn't want to penalize those guys. We had I think nine transitions in the SI ninety nine, meaning nine guys who were in the August release didn't make the January release, um, and then that means obviously nine guys who were outside of it, including those three jumped into into the ranking so we we really try not to penalize those guys and and rely on the initial evaluations that we got and then if there was any additional 
eval point like the Elite 11. I mean, our number one player in the country was Caleb Williams. We got that last sample of what he can do at the Elite 11, and, and it was sort of enough for us. And, and obviously, we, we did a blog with him every week, so we had a little bit more insight on, on what he was doing. So it was a lot of that. It was a lot of social media sort of scouring, trying to figure out what some of these Californian, D.C., North Carolina, Virginia prospects were doing when they didn't have football. Were they able to showcase their athleticism or talent somewhere else? If we had um, frame questions, could they verify that digitally? We saw a lot of kids taking pictures on door frames, right? You know, we know we know relative to, to a door frame how, how big a kid can be. We saw a lot of kids getting creative and, and we tried to use any data point that we could with that. And, and I thought we did a pretty good job of, of finding, like you said, balance with, with that final SI-99. We feel really good about that group. And unfortunately, some of the kids who, who fell out were in states that, that weren't participating in football this fall, but you know, that's, that's the business we're in. That's, you know, this, this evaluation business is not for everybody. Uh, and, and you got to make some of those tough calls. And, and we, we thought we found good balance and really tried to, you know, just talk about the highs and lows of, of the evals, not so much what they did in 2020. So let's talk about Tyler Buckner. You've talked about the importance of quarterback. Anyone that follows college football the last decade understands if you don't have a big-time quarterback, at least a guy that plays like a big-time quarterback, you're not going to win a championship. Uh, That's been an issue for Notre Dame, not necessarily recruiting top players, but more so developing top players. But we are going to focus on the recruiting aspect of it. You guys really try to, to to balance when it comes to ranking the, the the floor of a player and the ceiling of a player. Buckner is one of those players. You'd mentioned his ceiling being as high as anyone, but the fact that he played one season of high school football is obviously going to to ding him. And then, of course, he had the the subpar elite eleven performance where he was working with an altered throwing motion. So those things aside, talk to me about what you see from Tyler Buckner that has you because you've been this way for a while John you've been very high on Tyler Buckner for a long time you didn't even you really didn't waver from that based on the elite 11 it's just more of a there's some questions that need to be answered but you still love the kids tools what is it you saw from Tyler Buckner that that on film that really made you say boy this is one of the better quarterbacks in the country as you mentioned in a loaded quarterback class well at first I just think it's the movement um you have to be able to to move as a quarterback in, in this day and age. You know, these pass rushers, I mean, you know, we can talk about some of these Notre Dame pass rushers. These pass rushers are freaks of nature. You have to be able to avoid them in some way, shape, or form. Now, it doesn't have to be like Lamar Jackson, where you're just as good or better of an athlete. You can do so with a, a certain subtleness and suddenness. Like, look at Mac Jones for Alabama. He's not the best athlete of the world, but that pocket presence, that clock, kind of roles. Um, But I think with Buckner, he's a great, great athlete. Again, we didn't get a whole lot of chances to see it in person. He missed two of the last three years, one because of injury, one because of COVID. But man, that junior year that he put together on tape, we we all know 81 touchdowns or whatever it was. A lot of that was created by really, really dynamic lower body athleticism, whether it's the ability to put more mustard on the ball, because look, he's not the biggest guy in the world, or in this case, the ability to get outside of the pocket and not only be comfortable throwing the football, but you know, in that sort of peripheral avoidance of the pass rush, which is which is so important. It's it's really an instinct. 
uh, for, for quarterbacks. You either got it or you don't. And, and that's really the first thing that we really loved about Buckner is like, man, this kid is fluid. He's a legitimate athlete. You know, you could see him playing outfield for somebody, you know, in Major League Baseball, if, if that was sort of his career path. I really love his athleticism. And then when you get to the arm itself, when he's right, Brian, uh, it looks as pretty and as explosive and as dynamic as any quarterback uh, in the country. And the production, you reflected that uh, during that uh, 2019 season. He, he moved up in competition ahead of 2020. He was at Helix uh, High School there in San Diego where he was going to play some better comp. And, and he was going to dominate it if, if they had a football season. Of course, they didn't. Uh, so so that really sort of hindered our our are one of, one of the few question marks we had, right, was what if he stepped up in competition? But, you know, history has shown you can dominate small school ball and still be that big-time kid. I remember when Derrick Henry was coming out, everybody was wondering, hey, he's beating up on 1A kids and he's this, you know, defensive end playing running back. Is that going to translate? Yeah, it did. You know, if you are still, pretty well, I'd say he's yeah, a pretty good football still, player in Alabama. If you're dominant, you're dominant. You know, mm -hmm. period. You know, it doesn't it doesn't have to be you don't want to penalize a kid for where he plays. Brock Vandergriff in this cycle plays very small school competition, but he was dominant, you know, a state cha state championship and really never, never slowed down. I mean, that's what you want to see. And, and that's what Tyler put together during that junior season. Um, and then I think a lot of people are knocking you know, maybe the interception production and, and kind of the risk taking he has, he's a gunslinger, right? I mean, that's, mm -hmm. that's the trait that, that he sort of falls under in, in the quarterback spectrum. Again, recent history shows us that's okay. You know, it, Sean it, Watson, how many right. people complained the entire 2016 season? He turns it over too much. He turns it over too much. Yeah. yeah. Trevor Lawrence, you, you don't make those plays without taking those chances. And you, right. you you don't sacrifice the playmaking to protect the football. I mean, if you have a, a great quarterback, you have to allow him. Look, Mac Jones can't turn the ball over because he's that's just who his the, what his talent level is. Deshaun Watson, you need him to be that guy. Trevor Lawrence, they people have dinged him for turning it over too much because he tries throws that other people can't make. Well, he'll turn it over from time to time, but he's also going to make nine or ten throws that nobody else in the country is going to make. You right. have to you, give that guy gotta, the freedom. To, to win a national title, you got to score in the thirties, don't you? I mean, it's, you got, I mean, I don't. I, don't have I think the all but two teams, all but two since the playoff started. Two teams have scored below 40 points and won it. You had Clemson beat Alabama 35-31, and then Alabama beat Georgia. And again, that was more because you had two SEC teams of similar style playing. Right. But, 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 had, look, at the, but look at the walk-off play right, in that game. Right. It's a, a deep rail ball. shot, risky. I got my ball has to beat an NFL safety mm -hmm. to the rail shot point. And it, right. and two us did, you know. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you have to have that. And I do think that Tyler has that. And he has it on the run, which is, I, I think, if we're talking about, you know, you know, like in Madden, they have all the different categories, throw on the run, throw in the pocket, all that. If we were doing throw on the run rankings, I don't know how many guys would be above Tyler Buckner in this class. Maybe Caleb Williams, J.J. McCarthy, and that's probably it. And that's just off the top of my head. So if we actually dug into it, I think Tyler would be really, really in contention for that number one spot. Uh, he is he is dynamic on the run, and in, that even showed at the Elite Eleven, despite that that dropped arm angle. His best throws during those three days were on the run and on the move, and, and that is huge when you're looking at college football in this this modern age. And what a lot of people don't know about Tyler is he was originally committed to Michigan to play lacrosse. 
He was one of the nation's top lacrosse players. So you talk Legit about that athlete. athleticism. Exactly. And uh, some toughness because anyone that's ever watched lacrosse is like, those, those dudes battle and they don't have pads as thick as football players. So let's move on to, to some of the weapons that he's going to have. Uh, you guys had Kane Barong also. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed ranked very high and i i don't know if i've ever seen a prospect that had a different such a wide variation of evaluations uh you guys had him ranked as the number 61 overall player in the country actually all five of the notre dame players you guys had in the si 99 were ranked 64th or higher so it's not just about having like 70 75 you know your top five guys but they were all low all five of notre dame's guys ranked between 49 and 65 which is or 64 which is means these are these are top level players. What did you guys see from Kane Barong that made you um, really rank him as, as not only one of the best tight ends in the country, but one of the best players in the country? The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. We just love what he brings to the table. Um, if we're talking, if we got into to Tyler Buckner's ceiling, let's get into Kane Barong's floor, right? Uh, this is a kid who today, Brian, can come in anywhere and compete from a technical standpoint at a position that really is starting to demand more and more. And you can, you don't have to use a lot of imagination to see to see Kane Barong, excuse me, playing that traditional tight end flexed out in the slot, detached as a wing or as a fullback, true, a true fullback. He does all of those things very, very well at 6'4", you know, 235 or whatever he's weighing at this point. Uh, but really, the beginning of this evaluation was just as purely a pass catcher. Um, and, and the last few times we've seen Kane Barong live, he was the best tight end in attendance, playing against Power 5 and SEC defensive backs and not just safeties. He's beaten corners with with his route construction and his ability to run in the open field. Now, is he a 4-4 guy? No, of course not. But neither is Michael Mayer. He he can pick him up and put him down. Uh, And I think I'm not sure elsewhere, you know, why he fluctuated so much. 
But that that initial evaluation was was sort of the final evaluation with with Kane Brong. Everything in between reinforced that initial feel we had for him, you know, 12, 18 months ago when we really first started digging into this class of, of 2021. The production is there. He's a great blocker. He's a technical blocker. If, if this kid was 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, he'd be an unbelievable left tackle candidate, mm-hmm. uh, which, which in Notre Dame's case especially, you kind of want that in your tight end. So I just think, in, again, the, the demands of the position today have changed so very much there. That's why we started splitting up these tight end evaluations. We have Y tight ends, we have H tight ends, and there's only two or three that we sort of said, wait, can we put him in the Y or the H category? Mm-hmm. Barong was at the beginning of that conversation. He could be any kind of tight end you need him to be. Um, so, you know, we, we really love that about his floor. Now, you know, his ceiling, is he going to get taller and, and play at 255 and do all of these things? We're not sure. And that's maybe why he wasn't the number one tight end in, in either category, but he was still that floor is, is about as high as anybody's in this class pound for pound. Uh, so so we'll be looking forward to seeing what he does at Notre Dame. And I think, you know, they've got a ton of talent, obviously, at that position. But just in terms of individual evaluation, we love the floor that Barong brings to the table. Well, I think one of the tight ends you guys had ahead of him, Thomas Fedone, is like six seven. You know, I mean, there's just things you can't teach, and those right. are, that's that and measurable that's thing. Why gazelle? Right, you know, wrong, right. right, and and that can be that thing that that can differentiate between when you're deciding between. Okay, we love both of these guys; they're both great players, but this guy just happens to have a couple things that this guy, no matter how hard he works, he's not going to grow four inches. You know, most likely. So, um, but yeah, it's it, and I thought it was a. I thought it was a quality tight end class, you know, but I don't know if it was as deep as some other years. So I think it was important for Notre Dame to get a player like Barong. Uh, that was one of the better ones in the class. And so certainly adding him. And, and from what I've been told recently by somebody close to him, he's going to, when he sh- flew to Notre Dame, he's an early enrollee. He actually weighed in at 246. So he's okay. filled out a little bit since the okay. end of the season as well. But like you said, I don't know how much more he's going to add on to that. You know, I don't see him as a 265 guy like Tyler Eifert when his career's over, uh, to, to your point about the floor aspect of it. Now, that he's not the only pass catcher that Notre Dame is going to be adding this year. Uh, they're also adding Lorenzo Styles, Deion Colsey, and Jaden Thomas, two players from Georgia in Colsey and Thomas, and then Styles from Ohio. Just what are your thoughts on this wide receiver class as a whole, John? What does it add to the Notre Dame roster? And and do, does it is it one of those classes that's going to give Tyler Buckner enough weapons to be able to go out and and you know have the if he's able to tap in his potential to be able to be part of an offense that surrounds him with good enough players that they can be an elite offense? You know, I think so. Uh, there's there's a nice diversity in the receiver types that, that Notre Dame has brought in, even if you exclude the tight ends. Uh, I, I think there's there's a nice receiver diversity with this group. Uh, I know, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about JoJo Johnson at some point. I still think you don't rule out wide receiver or slot receiver, I should say, for him. But excluding him, um, obviously, Styles is, is your gadget guy, right? You know, he's the guy you design shot plays for. He's the guy you can hand the ball off to. He is your your playmaker, your your guy with the most juice uh, among those wide receivers. Colsey is your big Notre Dame wide receiver. He's your big X, vertical route specialist, unbelievable ball skills, and and a little better after the catch than than his frame would suggest. Um, I don't know 
what what he's listed at at this point. But this is six four, six five, well over two hundred pounds. This is your, you know, he's he's gonna, un, you know, unfortunately for him, he's gonna be lumped into that whole Chase Claypool, Miles Boykin conversation, which is probably not fair at this point. Um, but you know, athletically, he's gonna be at least in that conversation. So obviously. Uh, you, you want that. And that's another guy. Yes, he played really small school ball, but man, he dominated. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's what you want to see from prospects, um, you know, playing at that level. And then you get into, you know, your Jaden Thomas types. He's the balance. He's he's the third and six. Hey, we, we need to make a play at the sticks. Uh, we need a guy to, to go over the middle and, and, and go in between the linebackers and the safeties make the catch and absorb the hit. You know, he, he's your glue guy. You know, he's the guy that will be the the fan favorite maybe of, of, of the group because he's the workman like uh, prospect who's just sort of pretty good at everything. You know, he's, he's not going to be the fastest. He's not gonna be the biggest, not gonna be the strongest, but he's going to be, he could be as, as productive as, as anybody in terms of what, what Notre Dame needs to do in the passing game. Um, Cause if you're allocating resources to the vertical threats, uh, and, and the juice guys, you know, Jane Thomas isn't going to you know, be double teamed as far as we think uh, when he's when he's there um, in, in, in South Bend, I should say. Um, so I really like what he does as an athlete. He's another two way prospect, which I love. You know, there's a lot of positions where we want two way value. You talked about Prince Collie with that running back value as a linebacker. Obviously, receiver defensive back is is another one where you really want that understanding because you just know what you have to compete against because half the time that's what you're trying to accomplish as a defensive back. And, and Jaden Thomas earlier in his prep career was one of my favorite safety recruits Mm -hmm. in this class. But what does that tell you? It tells you there's intellect instincts and range. um, And those translate so well to the wide receiver position, especially again, we talk about four or five wide, finding the hole in the zone, making making that clutch play. Um, all of those traits have to come together. And I think I think Jaden Thomas has more value than maybe, you know, a ranking uh, may suggest. Well, I mean, you think about the 2016 national title game. We we're talking earlier about Clemson. It wasn't Mike Williams that caught the game winning touchdown. It was yep. Hunter Renfro. And it was that he was that chain moving type of player. There's value to that to go with the bigger, you know, big play guys that, that maybe bring to the table. The interesting thing is that all three of Notre Dame's wide receiver recruits st- were starters on defense. And right. Lorenzo Styles is actually offered by Ohio State as a corner. So I think I do I do like that. I'm with you. I think actually Notre Dame has signed six receivers the last two classes, all but one of them started on defense as a senior. Uh, and Xavier Watts is another one that the Notre Dame defensive staff tried to convince him to go play defense. They they've done that multiple times since he's been on campus from what I'm told. But, you know, like you said, it's it, having that understanding of like Prince Colley being a, a running back as a senior, he was a thousand yard receiver as a, as a junior. He's he under Yeah. Yeah. He was yeah. had 60 catches for over a thousand yards. Now, again, it was smaller level ball in Tennessee, but it, the point is, he understands route running, getting open, which then at, aids him as a pass drop guy at a linebacker. And so that's kind of the point of what you bring. Now, uh, running back. Let's wrap this up with running back. What do you not high ranked guys, not top hundred guys, but I personally really like this duo. I also am someone who believes that you don't need a five star running back in today's game. You need that right. dual threat guy. Uh just my thoughts. What are your thoughts about the Notre Dame running backs in this class? 
You know what I love about about these two? They're both running backs. Mm-hmm. Like there's really not another position that you would throw. I mean, look, could a Steven Diggs play linebacker? Yes, of course. Mm-hmm. But those guys are are kind of old school running backs. Uh, and I love that. Notre Dame has won with that. Um uh, doesn't mean they're the same. They're a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Uh Steam is, you know, a huge a huge running back, uh very angular, sort of a bounding running back who um, you know, is one of these guys that in the open field, he's, he's a little bit faster um than, than maybe you realize at, at what is he 6'2", mm-hmm. uh, well over 200 pounds, maybe 210 or or more at this point. Um, and then Logan Diggs, you understand why LSU was like, wait, 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 this kid's go to Notre Dame from Louisiana. Like w- we need to jump in here right. uh, at, at the 11th hour. Um, and they did. And, and look, he didn't sign in December. We're all like, OK, let's see. You know, let's see what happens. Um, and he was really nervous and obviously stuck with Notre Dame uh, on Wednesday. But man, fun, fun tape to watch with Logan Diggs. He is a worker, uh, which which is at that position. You want you want to hear that label, whether you're talking about guards, tight ends, running backs, uh, interior defensive linemen. You want that tag on your athleticism. And, and Logan Diggs is a worker. He's he's got this physicality pound for pound that I absolutely love and really reflects what Notre Dame wants. I mean, look at Kyron Williams mm-hmm. this past year. I think he's got some Kyron Williams in him. Maybe not as comfortable in the passing game today as Kyron Williams is, but as a runner. And- as a as a pass catcher, I would say, John, that he is more of a traditional running back mm-hmm. pass catcher, yeah, whereas Kyron was a guy that until his halfway through his junior year was a wide receiver in high school so so that's why he he's able to do more lining up in the slot those kind of things but yeah as a as you mentioned earlier you said they're running backs right he is more as a tradition a very effective pass catcher as a running back which is something that you can then use with kyron williams because you can put kyron williams in the slot with one of these guys at running back yeah, and look, Diggs, Diggs has juice in the open field. He's, he's a return man. Great competition uh, in Louisiana, Archbishop Rummel. But what my favorite trait about Diggs is he's got this suddenness when it's one-on-one. You know, it's like a great point guard. You, you know, like, hey, I'm not the most athletic point guard, but I got this crossover that'll melt you. Uh, Diggs has this sort of crossover step move as a running back with great power and upper body strength that really combines together to make it really hard on defenders in the open field. A little too quick for linebackers, much too physical for defensive backs. So he's one of those guys, you better mm-hmm. get him in the box. Uh, Cause if he breaks loose one-on-one, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to bet on digs over almost any defender. He's got a great sort of crossover mm-hmm. as a running back. Um, but, but he's sort of a power prospect. Uh, so I really like what he brings to the table and then esteem, like, like we said, uh, better than you think in the open field, big physical one cut downhill. So I think these guys actually complement each other. Um, and they both were big recruiting wins with a lot of contention, mm-hmm. which I think always adds kind of, you know, human perceptive value to, to any guys. If you know everybody wants the kid or you flip them like you did with the steam, it, it just brings a different kind of perceptive value to, to the recruiting win. So I like I like the on and off the field value of these backs, even though, like you said, they're not no brainer, dynamic, mm-hmm. top 100 SI 99 guys, but that's okay. Right. And you, we had mentioned with Tyler Buckner and Deion Colsey sort of saying, you know, they didn't play the greatest level of competition. Logan Diggs played great competition. Yes. And here's some of the schools that, that Audric 
played against this year and had big games. 176 yards against Bergen Catholic. There's a few uh, future Division One starting defensive players at Bergen Catholic. St. Peter's Prep, he went for 204. The Hun School, 160. Paramus Catholic, home of Rashawn Gary, 201 yards. Don Bosco Prep, consistent national power, New Jersey, 309 yards. And then in, against DePaul Catholic, 218 yards. Those are schools that are filled with future Division One and One AA football players, and he went over for eight, over 1,800 yards in eight games. So I think that's the thing that impressed me about these two kids is they produced, and they produced against big-time players. It wasn't Chris Hilton, the top 100 receiver going to LSU, that was the offensive player of the year in the state. It was, according to the you know the the often named the offensive player of the year, it wasn't the top 100 running back going to you know, to Mississippi State or whatever else, you know, the, the top 20, 222 running back or 2022 running back. It was Logan Diggs, right. you know, which shows you the respect that the people in that area think of him. And to get him out of Louisiana, John, because as you know, if LSU wants a kid from there, there's a lot of pressure on these kids to stay in state and go to LSU. So it was a big win for Notre Dame. Um, let's move over to defense because it was interesting, I think, you tell me if you agree or disagree with this, and John, as you know, you're allowed to disagree with me. I think the offensive class was better than the defensive class as a whole. However, a case could be made, and SI All-American has made it, that the two best players in the class, however, Correct. were both on defense. We talked about Gabriel Rubio. We talked about Prince Colley. Let's talk about some of the other guys in this class. And I know one particular position group that you're extremely high on, and this is close to your heart. You know, I love talking about quarterbacks because that's – that's where I played. You love talking about DBs because that's where you played. Let's talk about this Notre Dame secondary class, which ended up being a six-man class, four corners, two safeties, and at that four-corner position, there's some some positional flexibility on that as well. So, so John, just kind of give me your overall thoughts of the secondary class and just some of the guys that you thought stood out and really catch your attention as, hey, these guys can really help Notre Dame moving forward. Yeah, uh, first of all, uh, you, you talked about balance at the top of the show. Uh, this this is the most balanced group, I think, that Notre Dame brought in, both from a height, weight, positional standpoint and from a skill standpoint. Uh, you have everything you need to make up a secondary in this one hall, which is hard to do. We talked about it at an offensive line. A little easier to do that when you're talking about there's only a certain pool of players who can play offensive line at Notre Dame. And look, kids want to play offensive line at Notre Dame, right? In the secondary, it's so much more competitive, so much more national. You have to go really outside the footprint to to, to grab elite defensive backs, and, and Notre Dame uh, really did a good job of that. The guy I'm most familiar with is Philip Riley. Obviously, he was playing down here in the Tampa area over the last year and a half. I uh, got to watch him play twice this fall and so impressed with the physicality that this kid brings to the table. He wasn't always this big physical defensive back he sort of became that over the last you know year or so uh, which you like you like to see those physical gains and then his play style kind of assimilated right with it um, he's going against Mario Williams Ajay Hall Chuck Montgomery these by the way these are all SEC power five receivers every single week and he's really holding his own but it's not just in coverage it's at the line of scrimmage and I think man you talk about value all year watching Alabama's run to the title, I kept asking, and I know it's easier said than done, why are teams not trying to reroute these guys at the line of scrimmage? Look, 
the quickness that, that that receiver core had made you fear trying to reroute them. But man, if they could just get the timing off between Jones and Devontae Smith and everybody else, they'd have a lot more chance of success at either sacking Jones or slowing down Smith. Nobody did it, but you, you at least wanted them to try. Nobody tried. Everybody played off on Devontae Smith. Philip Riley against a, a, a technician like a Mario Williams, an SI-99 number one slot receiver in the country, challenged him at the line every play. Um, so I love that about the confidence Philip Riley brings to the table. And he's he was successful at the line of scrimmage against a guy, a smaller, quicker slot that that I compare to like a T.Y. Hilton, who you don't want to see at the line of scrimmage. So I like the confidence in the physical nature of Philip Riley as a run supporter and as a tackler, but I really love it at the line of scrimmage. Um, uh, but but before he was this big hulking corner, uh, he was a, a sort of a smaller, fluid, traditional type of corner um, where he had all the traits you wanted for us in terms of leverage, uh, the ability to, to flip his hips and run uh, and stay on top of the receiver. So I think he's sort of been a tale of two guys who's fused together like Dragon Ball Z and it become this, this, this super saiyan corner who again for us was really in that discussion do we vault this guy into the 99 it didn't it didn't happen but it's not because of of what he did you know he wasn't in the discussion in august he was very much in the discussion mm -hmm. in january so i love what philip riley brings to to notre dame as a nickel as a safety as a corner whatever you need him to do he can do and there's some of that fluidity with with ryan barnes you know great long boundary corner ball skills, vertical ability. Again, like you said, wish we could have seen him a little bit more. Um, that junior tape was really intriguing, but it wasn't, uh, it didn't bring a finality to that evaluation. Um, so Maryland, again, as we said, one of these states that didn't play ball in 2020, but but that junior tape provides a lot of what you need, right? We, we talked about the quarterbacks pushing the ball down the field, taking those 50-50 risks. Ryan Barnes is one of these corners who can eliminate <laughs> eliminate that and and make you get kind of pissed off? Hey, why is my quarterback pushing down the field against this kid? You know, you need that that guy mm -hmm. who can play the 50-50 ball and, and play that nine ball. Um, and then you've got JoJo Johnson. We, we talked about him. Um, he can do anything, anything you need on a football field. He he don't look like he can do it, but he can do it. Uh, corner, nickel, receiver, returner, slot, running back, football player. Um, again, Notre Dame thrives with those type of prospects. And that was sort of a feel good story, just in terms of from a recruiting standpoint, Indiana kid, um, you knew he wanted that offer and he just sort of worked for it. Uh, and, and he earned it, uh, definitely earned it in 2020 and got rewarded with that scholarship. Um, there's, there's traditional safeties in this class. Uh, Walters, Justin Walters, love him, love him, big physical range. All the classic safety traits that, that you want there uh, definitely needs to fill out a little bit more. And, and he'll mm -hmm. do that at the next level uh, when, once he gets into that that uh, D1 strength and conditioning and nutritional program. Um, so, again, that's 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 what you need at that position. We, we know Notre Dame has the safety evaluations have been as good as, as any school in the country. And look, again, this is part of the what, what we do as evaluators. There's certain programs at certain positions that you kind of trust. Um, does it influence you as an evaluator and as someone who's ranking prospects? Maybe, but that's okay because you know we're human. You know it should mm -hmm. it should impact you. I, I my my favorite thing to tell a recruit or a recruiting fan is everything is a data point. Everything, and if we're talking about you know 
We're talking about quarterback evals at Clemson. I'm probably going to trust that a, a little bit more than quarterback mm-hmm. evals at you know Purdue or something. So mm-hmm. let's let's trust what Notre Dame does at safety and tight end and offensive tackle um, to a certain degree when we evaluate. You know because mm-hmm. that should factor in. Um, call it a cop. I'll call it what you want. It's a data point. You know. Um, sure. If I know Bill Belichick likes a kid's uh, work ethic and and floor. Shouldn't that influence me a, a little bit, you know? So why mm-hmm. not trickle that down to the collegiate ranks? Let's trust the guys who who are very good at this, and let's not act sure. like we're the only ones who can make these calls. Sure, no question. And, and to me, that was one of the reasons that I initially did a deep dive into Ryan Barnes, because you see the, the three-star ranking, and then you look at the offer list, and it's Clemson, it's LSU, it's Georgia. It's, it's schools that don't often come up to Maryland just for the heck of it, you know? And you start to think, and then you dive into it, and – He's a guy that I absolutely love on film. We've talked about that before, John. And, you know, I I felt the secondary class from a perception standpoint. Again, you rank this as one of the best secondary classes in the country. I believe you guys, when at one point had it in the top five, that was before they got Kerry G in, in, in the class and before they got JoJo Johnson. Right. Um, I think what hurt it from a perception standpoint was the fact that three – Actually, yeah, three of the players in the class didn't get a play this year. And you mm-hmm. you look at Ryan Barnes. Chance Tucker's another guy that I was really looking forward to watching as a senior to see kind of if his game would take another jump forward. And then Justin Walters is another guy that I thought, because he committed to Notre Dame so early, got a little bit overlooked. I would have loved to have seen kind of what – because I've heard he's up to 185 right now, like you talked about. He was about buck seventy, buck seventy five as a junior. Right. What would he have looked like as a 185-pound senior? When we, what would our conversation look like? And and we just we can't answer that question. And that's what makes this, like you said, a very very challenging uh, season for Notre Dame, but a very very strong class. Let's wrap this up, John, by just talking about the Notre Dame defensive end position. Now, this is one of those positions where you talk about you just were talking about you you kind of have to trust the evaluation. And when you look at what Notre Dame has done on the defensive line. Notre Dame's had one of the five best defensive lines in the country, according to Pro Football Focus, the last three years. And they've done it with one guy that was a, a highly ranked recruit. That was Dalen Hayes. Julian Aguara was not a top 200 recruit. Khalid Kareem was not a top 200 recruit. Their starting defensive tackles were three-star recruits. Uh, they flipped uh, Adi Takumbo Ogundiji from Western Michigan, right? Um, Isaiah Foskey was not a top 200 recruit. And yet they've been able to put out top defensive lines every year because there is a process of evaluation. They look for, like you talked about, they look more at ceiling than they do floor at defensive end because they're not going to go down to Florida and get, you know, Dallas Turner. They're just not going to beat the SEC schools for him. They're not going to go get Corey Foreman from California. And, 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 you know, that those guys aren't coming to Notre Dame. So they find those high ceiling guys and, and it's worked out well for them. And so that's what we saw from them again at defensive end this year with Jason Onye, Will Schweitzer, and Devin uh, Upow, which is not highly ranked guys. Um, decent offer list, but nothing nothing to blow you away beating you know flipped the Schweitzer from Nebraska flipped uh Opal from uh UCLA and, and Jason Onye was the guy they beat Penn State for so um l- here, here's one thing we can just eliminate and just say this applies to all three of these guys tall long great frames right beyond that what what are your overall thoughts of this defensive end class well and and you have to start there on purpose Brian uh when you're talking about edge guys, and we talked about it when we were, we were talking about the offensive line, 
these guys are scary. These guys are scary to deal with, but they, they can be like, there's different levels to that, but it really does start with the frame. You need, you need that, that height and that length. Uh, and I think all of these guys bring that to the table. Um, the, the kid from UCLA that they flipped, I thought was actually really intriguing. Uh, again, another, we keep talking about it. Kid who didn't get to play in 2020. Um, that evaluation I thought was really interesting from the Notre Dame perspective, because he's he provides a little bit of balance. He's got this basketball body, 6'5", what is he, 215, whatever he is. Uh, how do you say his last name again? Uh, according to Notre Dame, it's Upau. Upau. Yeah, they yeah, sign Upau. way too many defensive linemen whose names I don't know how to pronounce, and I think they <laughs> do that on purpose. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, I think Upau's got some really nice balance, really great length. Um, and his ability in space, I thought was was really instinctive for a guy that tall. I think we <clears throat> we get into measurables and all that, and that's fun. Um, but these tall guys got to come down to make mm-hmm. plays against quarterbacks who are getting smaller, running backs who are getting smaller, slot receivers, tight ends who are all getting smaller in terms of just the influx of talent coming in. Um, so six five six six to be able to get that low center of gravity and make plays at the point. I thought on his junior tape with Upau was was really impressive. Uh, I think when we're talking about just the overall edge rushers, Schweitzer is more of your conventional, mm-hmm. hey, he's going to set the edge. He's going to be able to play in space if you need to some degree. Can, can, he can reroute tight ends for you. Uh, he can rush the passer outside, maybe inside as he fills out uh, a little bit more. Uh, and then I think when you get um, to the other kid, I think that's where you start to get into, okay, if one of these guys – is going to sort of figure it out mm-hmm. down the road. I, I think it's Onye uh, again. Mm-hmm. I don't think Rhode Island played played in nope. twenty twenty. So and he um, only had two years of high school football under his belt anyway, which make he went to he went to Bishop Hendrickon as a as a basketball player. And that's and that's where you talk about again the translatable things. We've seen a lot of basketball players make that switch and start making a lot of money playing mm-hmm. playing the game of football. Uh, and I'm not saying Onye is this first-round draft pick or anything right. like that, but when you talk about the frame and how he's filled out that frame in a very short amount of time, now you start to say, okay, did we miss something here? Mm-hmm. Because when you start to see that tangible turnover in a very short amount of time, you know that that things can escalate pretty quickly. Right. Um, I remember Quinn and Williams coming out of Birmingham um, was like, you know, he was like 6'4", like 250 mm-hmm. as a high school senior. And Bama flipped him from Auburn, but this was it wasn't like a banner win. Right. We were like, oh, okay, Bama needed another D lineman. That's fine. The next year, he's like 295 chiseled. And you're like, mm-hmm. wait, wait, what did we miss here? And then obviously he has that crazy year, top right. five pick, all of that. Um, you have to note those quick, tangible changes and Onye's had that. Um, mm-hmm. The basketball background obviously makes you think of length, great feet, um, a lot of things that can translate to, to playing the defensive line position. And even if he does a Quinn and Williams where he's adding a ton of weight, now you're talking about an athletic interior pass rusher mm-hmm. with when you pair with Gabe Rubio, who we talked about. Now all of a sudden you say, I see what Notre Dame's doing here. Like mm-hmm. I see what the goal was. You have your traditional edge guy with Upau, Schweitzer's this in-between, Onye's the the boomer bust here who can go either way, and Rubio's your your safe bet. Now all of a sudden you look at the D line and you say, I, I see what you did in putting it together, and that's what we talk about, Brian, when we're ranking classes and positions. 
you can't just sign four elite edge rushers and be like, this is an awesome D-line class. They're, they figured it out. They're the number one class in the country. You have to balance it out. You have to build mm-hmm. a football team. It is about roster construction. It sounds so mm-hmm. simple, but we get so far away from that in this business, chasing stars and chasing the best, that we don't look at that second layer, which is really compiling a roster, which, again, right. when you look at an NFL GM, that's, that's the job. It's right. not getting that elite prospect. And I think that is where a program like Clemson is very underrated because what people have to realize is Clemson's really had two to three classes in the last decade that were, that you could consider like being on that level with Alabama, that number. I mean, they've had a lot of nines, tens. They've had a couple classes that ranked outside the top 10, but it's, they are masterful at putting together a roster of finding complimentary players that, okay, yeah, we've got our five-star receivers. Let's go find this, Amari Rogers kind of kid that's completely different than those other kids that's what's going to fit well with them. Uh, you know, and I think that's important. That's something that that you can often that's why Florida State ranks so high every year because they sign these highly ranked DBs and receivers, but yep. they always fall short on the offensive line, they fall short at quarterback, they fall short at too many positions to where, yeah, they are going to rank high because they get these five stars that equal X amount of points. And that's how those rankings are put together. But Tennessee's another example, UCLA is another example. They will load up year after year at specific positions. But because they're always falling short at other positions, they end up, you know, not being very good when it comes to winning. And and I think that's an area also where Alabama has very underrated. Before Alabama was landing five star after five star, they were masterful at putting a roster of players together. I mean, their their two starting edge rushers on their first title team were a two star and a three star. Yep. You know, and, and so that is so important. It's not just about loading up on highly ranked recruits. Georgia recruits as well as anybody. How many championships have they won in the last five years? You know, uh, because if you look at Georgia, they tend to load up year after year at the same positions. And I think that's where um, Notre Dame has to be kind of uh, unique in how they approach it. Because like you said, they're not going to go get the, as many five-star defensive linemen as Alabama. Not ever going to happen. But are you finding guys with the high enough ceilings that if you coach them up and develop them, can they pan out and be really good players for you? And, and that's what Notre Dame has done. You know, they've been able to do that. And Onye is the intriguing one, John, because you mentioned him. Two years of high school football, basketball background, great feet, incredibly long arms. Yeah. He had 17 sacks as a junior. Now, again, Rhode Island football, but still 17 sacks is 17 sacks. I mean, uh, I've seen, you know, you look at like Jason Oway for Penn State this year, and everybody talks about first-round talent, first-round talent. Well, eventually, don't you think a first-round talent should get a sack? Where's the production, exactly? Right, and that's what you have to balance is you have to look at the tools, but you have to also have to look at is there a production level to it? And that's why when we talk about Tyler Buckner, when we talk about the running backs, when we talk about Prince Colley, the thing that Notre Dame did in this class, John, is they added – you had mentioned it a couple times. I want to em- wrap it up by emphasizing this football players. And that is something that you have to be able to balance finding those high upside athletes. But can they play football? You've seen it. I mean, John, you've been doing this a long time, man. We've seen these freaky athletes that just aren't good football players. Yep. Every and, year. Yeah. Every and Byron year. Cowart was a guy that I remember in high school. I'm like, oh, man. this guy's a freaky athlete, but he just doesn't dominate the way that I think a guy with his skill should dominate. And then State title course, game, zero tackles. Right. And State look what happened. 
what did he do yeah, in we, college? We, we try we try to tell him. Yeah. <laughs> we're like, yeah. hey, like we're here in Florida. Like he had zero tackles in the state yeah. title game. Yes, they schemed against him, but come on. Yes. You're, if you're that guy, you yes. you're creating. Yes. Creating that. You're at least racking up a couple tackles. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and that's the thing is you you need that. Per, and what did Byron Cowart went to? Where did he first go? Was it he Alabama? Auburn didn't do anything, transfers to Maryland, and wasn't even that great at Maryland. I mean, he wasn't he was an above average player at Maryland. So there at, at some point you need to be able to say this guy can play football. And I think that's the thing I like about this class is there's a lot of guys you mentioned JoJo Johnson. Would it shock you in two years if JoJo Johnson and Lorenzo Styles flipped and Lorenzo's playing corner and JoJo's playing offense? It oh, I'm not predicting it, but it wouldn't shock me. That's a good thing. You need yes. you need that flexibility, both from a physical standpoint, and you need kids who are okay with that. I know mm-hmm. off air we talked about JoJo being like his willingness to play defense like came around eventually. Mm-hmm. That was big. I mean, our our number two offensive tackle in the rankings, JC Latham, swore he was Raquan Davis, a D lineman, six seven. He was like, I'm playing defense. I'm like, we're like, dude, you're six seven, three twenty, and chiseled. Mm-hmm. You need to think about offense. He goes to IMG and they hammer that, and now he's you know, a top 10 player in America, a bona fide, you know, left tackle type, right. you, you got to be flexible mentally uh, as well as physically. And all these two-way guys that Notre Dame brought in, I love that. Even in the 22 class, they've got a couple two-way guys. And mm-hmm. that is that is an undervalued trait in this business because uh, we're seeing less kids do it um, because they're so good at that one thing that these high school coaches are like, I just need you to catch passes. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, the kids who are still playing both ways, I think that brings a little bit extra in that evaluation. Yeah. John, I appreciate you spending some time with us today, uh, wrapping up this class. We're going to have you on here again very soon. As we were doing this interview, uh, Aiden Gabara committed to Notre Dame. Uh, so we have a couple articles up on on the website. So if it, at one point in time it looked like I wasn't paying attention to you, I was paying attention, but I was publishing a couple stories I had already written about uh, about Aiden's commitment. So um, we'll have you on here again soon to talk about the 2022 class. Notre Dame is off to an interesting start. Uh, and then Marcus Freeman has really hit the ground running with some some big time offers. So uh, that's going to get up hot and heavy. So we'll have you back on here pretty soon to talk about the 20, 2022 class. But again, SI All-American uh, Director of Recruiting John Garcia. They had Notre Dame ranked eighth, which was highest of any of the recruiting services. They had five Notre Dame players in the inaugural SI 99, which is also the most number of players in sort of the proverbial top 100. Um, and I've convinced myself that if you guys did 100, it would have been Rocco Spindler. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> you can have that. You can have that. Okay, we'll never tell. <laughs> thanks, John. But again, appreciate you having on. Uh, make sure you check out John. John, before you leave, tell people where they can find your website and tell people how they can find you and SI All American on social media. Yeah, at SI All American on all social media Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, all of that. Uh, SIAllAmerican.com. Uh, we've got uh, college football and college basketball recruiting coverage. We do things a little bit differently, as, as Brian has, has so eloquently laid out. Um, and yeah, we're going to, we're going to really turn the page heavy to 2022. We'll still have some fun with 21. We'll, we'll do some positional awards and Notre Dame will be up for, for some of those and things like that, but we'll really start turning the page to 2022. The rest of this month, we'll be back on the road at some camps as, as those start to pop up again. So hopefully a normal off season is, is ahead for us. And we're really excited to, to get yeah. back to normal, uh, and, and get back into the, to the game and the evaluation stuff that we love, uh, 12 months a year. Thanks for being with us, John.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.